My ability to summon fish is of no use for this toppling building. Representing the United States West Coast, Dazzler. Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. They like a little badunkadunk. Yeah. Is, is, am I allowed to say that? Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Everybody's in the midst of grief and Reed Richards' wife is hitting on the new guy. And now your hosts, Luke Matthews. I've got abs on my Adam's apple. Andy Padel. Gimp fight. Found the shell. Oh, Hitler porn. And Bean. Dang it, point. Why weren't you more cohesive? And Joel Simon. Did I just have a stroke? Never. So, welcome everybody to episode 43, 43, yeah, 40, I think it's 40, 43, sure. episode 43 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, uh, we are gathered, to <laughs> we are gathered Joel, here you today. look you okay over there? 40, for, I just, I, letting that sink in, 43, 43, yeah, F- episode 43, good start, so, been doing this for a while. We've read so many books. Uh, At least 30. (laughs) 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 Uh, For this episode, this is the first episode after Emerald City Comic Con. um, And uh, we are are doing the Manhattan Projects for this one. This This is is the second episode after that. Second? Yeah. Is it? Really? Mm. Yep. Second. What was the first Mm. one? Last week. The 12th. Yeah. The, 12. the 12. Was that after? That was yes. after. God, <laughs> I would have forgotten that one Luke. too. I put that one <laughs> so no far behind me that I thought that it was a while ago because I want it away from me. Mm. I'm trying to distance myself from it. I'm just it. hoping at some point in the future that I can forget um, Adolf. Yeah. Not a. <sighs> Finger not of shame. Not when we keep reading books that have no, him in no, it. No, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> no finger of shame. Actually, no. this is what the. Second book in a row that's had Hitler in it at one point. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? It's a theme. Whatever. Godwin's Hitler porn law. Is a, that one of your things? Hitler porn. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> one, one of, of, one of your quotes. Yeah, yeah. fight Hitler porn. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard the shortened version in yes, the new I intro? <laughs> My Hitler story didn't have any Hitler porn I, in it. I had not listened to an episode in about uh, two months or so, and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll go through these, and the new intro kicks in. I'm like. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I shortened the intro because I actually got a lot of feedback from listeners who were like, God, this intro takes forever. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. So I said, fuck it, and I shortened it. <laughs> I'm trying to find short quotes from people, too, so that that part of it doesn't take forever, mm. but um, it's just, whatever. It's me screaming gimp fight, and Joel saying <laughs> that fight. I have a stroke, and it's from <laughs> different parts of Oh, good. Yeah. On, um, uh, on April Fool's Day, Pandora trolled me. I'm sure, you know, with no thoughts unless there are giant computers trying to take... Anyway, what was my point? The, the freaking After the Fact music came on, whatever that song actually is, oh, and yeah. I freaked yeah, that, right the uh, hell out. Uh, bass, bass Nectar? No, no, no. Bass Nectar is the end. The beginning is Ronald Jenkins. Yeah. Okay. Jenkins. Jenkins. Like, no, it's Jenkins. It's Jenkins. Ronald Jenkins. And I don't remember the name of the song anymore. It's off the album Dirty. But um, anyway, uh, like I said, we are we are doing the Manhattan Projects. But um, uh, the the so I was trying to remember this before the show. What the the piece of comic book news that I wanted to talk about was, and it is the announcement that was made on on April Fools turned out to be real because Matt Fraction hates April Fools Day. That uh, Michael Chabon is writing a backup story to the next Casa, Casanova uh, book. Wow! And um, yes, <laughs> yeah. It. Uh, um, I guess. I guess. Uh, Gabriel Ba is the main artwork like he normally does, and Fabio Moon's going to do the artwork for uh, for Michael Chabon's 
which story. is funny because <laughs> they both have distinct styles where they can actually draw each other's styles perfectly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I think that's like cool because yeah. something. Yeah, some of yeah. them. I'm 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 about two thirds of the way through Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay right now. Um, I don't know. I, I'm still I, slogging through. Uh, it is. It's good. Has it picked up the pace for you? Uh, not really. Mm. It's. Uh, I just. I just spoilers just got to the point where hey, hey. Um, what I'm reading it. Oh, I haven't fine. gotten that far. Okay. It's a ten year old book. <sighs> I I'm not I'm not super enjoying it really, but um, we'll see how it ends because a lot of books to me have gotten redeemed by their ending for me. Like there's a lot of books that I like. Uh, what was one that I read recently? Um, the Gone Away World by Nick Harkaway. Harkaway. Um, had some parts in it that I had to slog through because he just gets, he has these, he's, he rambles. He's very British. He has these kind of rambly tangents that go off into off, off on some direction for way longer Seen than they the need to. Tupperware and the ninjas though. That's <laughs> fucking priceless. Yes. Um, but, uh, it finally, like it finally, you know, he pulls it together at the end and the ending makes it the the end part of it from, I mean, it was a little predictable in my my, my mind. Mm-hmm. I kind of saw what was coming, but it was worthwhile. So, made it worthwhile. Anyway, uh, on to on to comics. Um, comics, comics, Book pictures. I have been catching up. Uh, still trying to catch up on all of my monthlies that I that I have not caught up on. I've I finally got caught up on Conan, um, and I I have to say there was a two issue stint. Where the art, the art has, the artist has changed several times. Like Becky Cloonan did it for a while, and then James Heron did it for a while, which is spectacular. That guy, I, that yeah. guy can draw all comics. I, he can, I, think I just want him to draw. Second time he's actually done that book. Really? I think he did some really early stuff with it. Oh, okay, um, but they had a two issue uh, part that was done by a guy named Vasilis Lolos. Vasilis Lolos is amazing. Terrible for amazing. Conan. Terrible for Conan. Like, is it too simplified? What's his style? Like? No, 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 it's not even. It's not even too simplified. It looks. It looks. It looks stylistically very similar to the stuff that they did for uh, the reboot of Profit, and it's n- it's just not right for Conan. Like, it's too. It's too, it's too goofball. Modern. It's that's. It's not a like, modern style. It's just. The, it's just. Think of the artwork that's used for. Um, Oh my god, I can't remember the name of the band now. The fucking fictitious cartoon band. Gorillas? Yeah, Gorillas. Oh. Mm, no, not the stuff that was not the, not stuff, the stuff he did in Conan. Conan. Okay. No. It, I don't know. It it's it's just <laughs> it just wasn't right. It was it was too um I, I don't know what it was too. It was just not Conan, right? It's one of those things where like there are there are times when you can say You have a preconceived notion of what the, the, the subject meant. Like there is your you know, this is Conan, you know, it's Mm-hmm. This style of things, and then it's just—it was too different from what you expected. And they can break—they can break that in, with some artists, and and it works. Becky Cloonan is a perfect example of someone who is not the typical like Conan feel, right? Right. Because you go back to the original or original, I should say, the beginning of this particular run of Conan with Dark Horse, and it was done by Carrie Nord, who was basically emulating Boris Vallejo the whole time, which mm-hmm. and it was great. It looked fucking—it was spectacular for Conan, right? But then, you know, you start getting other artists, and it's fine, and they, they do okay. And Becky Cloonan was a s- serious break from the traditional Conan yeah. art that worked really well. So was James Heron to some degree, in my opinion. 
Vasilis Lolos was Vasilia Vasilia Lolos. Lolos, whatever he was. Like, I'll show you those issues because I think I've, any I think even people who like Vasily Lolos's art would look at that and go, "This really isn't Conan. It's just not Conan." But okay. anyway. And the other thing, I, I caught up on the Massive, which is still spectacular. It's so good. <laughs> so good. It's like the, one of the best comic books on the market right now. What issues is it on? It's on Eight. just released 10. 10? 10. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, the other one that I'm st- I'm finally getting caught up on is Orchid, which um, oh, yeah. I still enjoy that book. I'm, yeah. I really, really like the world. It's not AAA writing, in my opinion. It's decent, <laughs> but it's not great. Um, but the world that they built for it is, is really good. So here's what's weird. There's two books that I can think of right off the bat that had musicians who became the writers. Orchid and Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. They're both... <laughs> well, they're well above the norm. Absolutely. And it just it, it's very surprising that those guys yeah. have managed to transition so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, is it Gerald Way? Yeah. Gerard. Um, Gerard. Whatever. His music... Don't Vasily. Vasily. <laughs> <laughs> you were like... Like you His name has it, an S at the end of it. You pronounced it like it was fucking Klingon. Vasilis, it has an S at the end of it. <laughs> anyway, um, like I don't care about Gerald Way's his music at all. But when he writes a story, it's really well done. I don't know where that comes from. And from what I've heard about Orchid, it's the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not perfect by any means, sure. but it's really good. And it's original, I think, is yeah. maybe the key. It's like you have these people who aren't raised... In comics, as comic writers, they're raised as writers, so then they sort of have a different view. Like, no one's told them what they can and can't do, yeah. so they'll try something completely different because they can. And it works. Yeah. Nice. And that's actually what I'm finding when I'm getting caught up with my comics recently is that I am, I am for some reason, just losing interest in in mainstream stuff. Uh, the only two big two comic books that I actually subscribe to right now Hawkeye. are... No, actually, I don't. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it when it comes out in the hardcover. That's I'm gonna, a map fraction, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to get it when it comes out in the hardcover because that one's. I, I've read a couple issues and it's spectacular. It's not one that I really want to collect monthly, but it's one that I will get a hardcover of and I want to read. Um, but I'm the two monthlies that I'm getting are, are Avengers, Hickman's Avengers, which I'm about to dump because the first three issues were great and everything since then has just went. And uh, the cap. Book. And Remender's Cap. Okay. And I'm going to stay on Remender's Cap because it reminds me so much of Fear, Fear Agent that I'm just like, okay, I'll stick with this. Um, but yeah, I'm just I, like everything else I collect is independent uh, right now. And um, I mean, I it's all uh, IDW, Dark Horse, Vertigo. Um, like Whenever you bring up Remender, I, like, the first thing that pops in my head is like, oh my why? God damn it! Why did you have to write Frankencastle? <laughs> <laughs> if you wouldn't have written that, everything would have been perfect that he has written, in my opinion. <laughs> no, I've heard oh, Johnny Blackheart isn't that good. That's like the middle of the road one. Okay, hmm. it's not I don't horrible. know. Frankencastle's bad. Yeah, no, I know. I haven't read most of Render's older, older stuff. I, I mean, Fear Agent, and I started reading Uncanny X Force, which is good. I, I've read. Uh, his cap run. I have not read most of his other stuff. Oh, and Last uh, Days of American, Last Crime. Days of American I'm like, Crime. What would you do on the yeah. show? Uh, fuck. What about you, Andy? What are you reading? I just finished reading a book called Three Story by Matt Kent. Okay. Um, Matt Kent is mind management. Yeah. Right. Mind yeah, and he did the tooth. Mind, yeah, mind management is so good. 
I can't. I can't get by his art. Like I love the Dang writing it, on Mind Management. This is the one that I read, and I want to talk about it. Okay, go, <laughs> go. You two can talk about it because you two. You read three story. No, I read uh, Mind Management. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. The, well, we'll, we'll talk about Mind Management in a minute, but okay. I want to talk about three story for a second. Uh, it starts out. It follows um, a guy whose pituitary gland ends up getting bumped by a tumor, so he literally becomes three stories tall, and he's huge. Man, my mom's pituitary gland was bumped by a tumor, and she did not become three stories tall. I am disappointed. This this was when he was like two. Oh, it just so, I mean, he kept growing and growing and growing. And oh, interesting. It follows okay. his life that makes um, sense. from beginning to end, and all the stuff that ensues. Huh. It's very very different. Like it goes into details. Like he's so big that he has problems hearing people, because right. Yeah, it's just it was really neat. Um, a buddy of mine picked it up at Emerald City and lent it to me, and yeah, it was a. Uh, Probably one of the best books that I read this month. Cool. Is that written and drawn by yes. Kent? Um, his, like, there's some uh, actual writing in as well, like non-comic writing. Prose. 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 Yeah. I couldn't think of the word we were talking about earlier. I'm like, <laughs> as Pictures. Anne, as Anne always puts it, books made of words. I, I don't know about these books made of words. <laughs> <laughs> I like pictures. So, mind management. Um, which I was pleasantly surprised by i guess i i thought the writing was top notch and i thought that this the world and the story was really intriguing but like you were starting to say luke i had a hard time getting past the art because i I felt like um to an extent i think it suffered from a similar malady that the tooth did in terms of a lot of his characters have really similar profiles like sometimes it's difficult to tell them apart if they don't have like Facial hair, or or a eye patch, I, an eye patch, or <laughs> a like like hair color more so than anything else was what was what was helping me out there. Um, how, how some of the like the immortals I thought were really unique. Um, everybody sort of has the same body type, but whatever. Um, and well, his style is so cartoony that it's like he only has like five different body types really. Yeah. And it's just always, it's kind of like you, you plunk people into one of those and he, he cartoons that body and then occasionally makes facial changes. But that his uh, faces look pretty similar to me actually. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it, for the most part that worked out. Okay. Especially in a story that's about sort of like large scale mind control. Um, I actually wanted, I wanted the colors to be a little bit different. I felt like, he was too stuck on his watercolors in that mm-hmm, book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sp- I thought the watercolor worked really well for the backgrounds. But when it came to the people, I guess, or some of the em- emphasis, it was like it's pastel or it's black. For some reason, I remembered it being black and white. It's not black and white. Mm-hmm. Or The edition I was reading was, uh, it actually would have been much better black and white. The edition I was reading was uh, the hardcover that's coming out. I think the singles are black and white. I don't that think they're totally black and white. I that mean, would be I've, better. <laughs> my brain hurts, so I'm, yeah. I'm not going to debate this point. I'm like, uh. I, I felt like I read a couple issues of Mind Management, and I love the writing. I mean, yeah. I love the story in it. It's co- it's awesome. But I, I'm to the point where I can't get past Matt Kent's art. And it's not. It's like, I don't think he's a bad artist. Don't get me wrong. It's just that his style, is it's just not right for the story. To be honest, if you want, if you want my honest opinion, it, this is one of the few books that I think if Matt Kent were writing, I would kill to see it drawn by Frank Quitely. Like yeah. Frank Quitely would do spectacular with that storyline. But anyway. I think Becky Cloonan could also do really well with that storyline. Becky Cloonan could be good um, because that he, she has a similar style to Kent's, except more diverse, I guess, in terms of more her, rounded, less yeah. jaggy. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I don't know. I, I'm definitely going to keep reading it because the story's fascinating. And I like what he does with just, like, fucking with panels and words over words. And I appreciate that he's willing to, to go there. I think that's boundary pushing. But Okay, so you guys have piqued my interest. What is mind management? So, mind management is... Uh, I, I must say, it's one of those... It's, um, it's Dark Horse... What is the, the label? It's Dark Horse Independent? Dark Horse... It's a, it's a new it's a new label for Dark Horse. I have no idea. Like their creator own. It's stuff? like their creator own stuff. I don't know. Um, I, there's the main character has amnesia, mm-hmm. and it sort of follows what's going on with that. There's a plane of there's a plane full of people who everyone on the plane lands has lost their memory. I don't want to give away much more than that. Okay. It's that about a journalist that's investigating this plane crash. Okay, but he lost his memory. The journalist still has his memory. Really, I didn't get the sense that she lost her memory. I don't think she. I don't think she. Well, well, at the beginning, I don't get the sense that yeah. she's lost. Does her memory. she remember she's a journalist? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it's one of those things where you sort of have to go through the experience and just okay, like just be along for the ride. Be along for the ride. Yeah. The more you know about it, the less. It I would say better. it's less surreal than Morrison, but equally weird. Weird. Okay. Okay. What about you, Joel? What have you been reading? I finally read the the last trade back or the last trade of uh, Walking Dead, uh, and I haven't. I, it's been like number six eight, or seven, right? Eighteen. Oh wow! Okay. Or seventeen. Soft actually. cover trade. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, uh, sorry. I'm not that far in the series yet. I'm halfway 17. through the the eighth hardcover. And for some reason, and the reason why I kept on reading the walking dead even though zombies have been played out by now even when it you know halfway through his story is that he has <laughs> because of he has, the walking dead yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah i know robert kirkman has this great ability to just amaze well, he, appall you Nobody's actually yeah, no, it, well yeah except nobody, for fucking rick well nobody nobody has well he lost a hand though. But the thing is is that you're going through and you think everything's fine and then he just has these scenes of utter brutality that is ridiculous. You can't even believe that you're you're reading this. And um there's there's one scene where one of the main characters dies obviously and how he does it is so gruesome and so appalling that I can't believe that I actually saw that. But it's one of these things where we're living in this you know, first world country and we don't really see atrocities and, and all this weird kind of stuff. <clears throat> you know, I guess zombie, zombie literature is one of the few ways where we really process atrocities on American soil. Yes, yes. But this has gotten to the point in this book where zombies are kind of a s- passive threat. Yeah, they're a setting. You know, it's like, hey, we're in a world where there's zombies. As opposed but to, are people the active threat then? Or? Oh, hell yes. Yeah, for the I most mean, part. Yeah. yeah. You and know, that's kind of... After sort of the arc, sorry, Luke, um, but after the arc where they're in the prison, Yeah. at that point, the main threat changes from how they're dealing with zombies to how they're dealing with other survivors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because that's that's the... That's where they meet the governor, and yeah. like that's where things go to uh, all to hell. Totally be the issue anyway. Kind yeah. Of, yeah, kind of the point is anyone who has survived to that point can deal with the zombies just fine. Yeah. And you're going to have bad luck in certain situations or whatever, mm-hmm. but in general, you're going to be like oh, they're experienced zombies. soldiers at this point. Yeah. Everybody who's still alive yeah. is experienced with it. Fucking at some Carl's point, so. like, oh, it's another zombie outbreak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it becomes like one of those hazards, like living in the North Pole or something like that. You right. have to deal with your environment. It's part of the environment. I uh, no, and, sorry, go ahead. well, and the the main threat now is just meeting other people, and so 
there, it was dealt a couple books before where Rick met met this one settlement that they're in, and he couldn't trust any of them. You know, he wanted, he's like, let's take this place over. Instead of, like, actually joining these people and helping them out, he wants to kill them. See, one of the things that I like about The Walking Dead uh, as an ongoing series and uh, is is how it's morphed into that because I think that uh, the appeal of, of typical <clears throat> zombie storylines is you're dealing with people, like, zombie movies and most zombie stories that are a beginning, middle, and end that, that are all right in the beginning of a zombie outbreak are how people deal with each other when they're all in a panic, right? Mm-hmm. It's like shit's going down and they just need to get out of it. Yeah. And that's, and, and it's still, that is your story. it's still built around the kind of interpersonal dynamic of how people handle a stressful situation. But as walking dead goes on, it's more about dealing with, um, how do you maintain a civilized society that is filled with people who have experienced atrocity after atrocity after atrocity yeah. after atrocity right mm-hmm. everyone they know is dead they've probably had to kill people they know mm-hmm. they've had to put down innumerable zombies um so it's it's literally everybody who's still alive is broken yeah. and oh, yeah. you have to try and figure out how anybody can actually have any kind of meaningful interpersonal relationship when everybody's f- fucked in the head yeah um, and I like that. I like the I like the uh, way that it's gone that way. I, I love I love post apocalyptic settings. You know, like zombies or Mad Max or you know after a nuclear bomb or something like that. I love that kind of setting where people like all the all of civilization has fallen down and you're just surviving and you have to survive and see if you can still keep your humanity when everything that you know is is gone. And I, I really enjoy that, and that's how The Walking Dead is, too. Because, okay, we've gotten over the zombies now. Now, how, how are people dealing with other people when there's the threat? You don't know if this person is just going to take everything you have or they're going to help you out. You know, because in normal society, everybody's civil to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. What? No, but mostly for the, American for the most society. Part, well, yes, in American society, everybody's civil to Define each other. civil. <laughs> I, I mean, you don't run around and and steal other people's stuff or take their cars or, About or murder that, them. Um, Just Ouch. let him get his point know, out, guys. <laughs> Come on. We're, we're not constantly murdering each other or pretending like it's a game of Grand Theft Auto. It, yes, yes, we are. It's not a video game because there's repercussions from that. But if if that structure Much. is gone, if that structure is gone, you know, you have people dashing babies a, a, upon the rocks, you know. Which God, happens. I love crossed so much. <laughs> yeah, but cross just takes it a little too far. No That's one thing. of the reasons why I like the massive so much because it's a post-apocalyptic story that does not what? turn the world into cannibals or Mad Max. Mm. It's like. Yes, there has been a lot of terrible environmental disasters, and they have they have caused a breakdown of the existing societies, but they haven't caused a breakdown of humanity. Mm. So you have you still have some structure to places, but sometimes it's 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 the way that I believe a black like a, an apocalypse would generally happen is that you end up with more of a, a sense of like. Um, societies that existed de- degenerate into their Small their communities. baser forms. So there's a lot more things like there's a lot more black markets. There's a lot more mm. um, like criminal quote unquote criminal activity mm. that would have been crimes in 
the main society, but that are kind of overlooked now because there's a bigger shit to deal with, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not it's not a situation where everybody's like just going ape shit and 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 killing everybody. Um, but there, the societies that did exist are pretty much gone. And that's one of the re- I really liked it because I, I like post-apocalyptic stories too, but every post-apocalyptic story tends to be exactly, it's like it's either Mad Max or it's a fucking zombie apocalypse, yeah. right? Um, so you're saying this explores some territory that's in between Law and Order and Dashing Babies on the Rocks. Yes, basically. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you, you tend to have scenarios where people, like, where... Um, where like in Africa is a good example in um, there's a part where they, they have to go to Mogadishu and uh, Mogadishu has become basically the biggest uh, the biggest black market in that in the Eastern Hemisphere and where it used to be small African warlords kind of running their own like piece of the pie when where they could without getting nailed by the law mm. now that the society has broken down those warlords are the government. Yeah. You know they have they have expanded their reach and be, become the leaders of that area, and it's it's interesting. It's an interesting storyline. Yeah, and that's how this this Walking Dead was is where Rick they meet this other society, and they realize that this society is paying tribute to some other roving bands, hmm. and so they're like, you know, what? we'll give you protection if you, you know you give us supplies and whatnot, and we'll protect you from these these bandits that are you're paying tribute to. You know, a lot like Seven Samurai, and it turns out that there's a lot more bandits than there are the the samurai and yeah. things go awry. Oh. It's kind of like a um f- uh, book of Eli. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, where it's yeah. like, you know, there are there are pockets of quote-unquote civilization that aren't really there, but yeah. then What is the book? You watch the movie. All right. Yeah. What trust me because that's actually a humongous part of the movie. And okay. uh so it's one of my favorite post-apocalyptic movies, too. Hmm. So, so is this one of the things where we're not spoiling stuff now? At least for that, okay. like if he hasn't seen, if if somebody in the I room seen hasn't it seen it, like I haven't, I'm not going to spoil no. Cavalier and Clay because thank she, you. She now, if we had all seen it, yeah. of course we'd talk about okay. it. But it, that's true. So, Gary Oldman is awesome. By the way, Gary Oldman is always awesome. <laughs> Indeed. In the dying days of a war, a weapon that would settle. Whoever found it first would be sure to do their worst. Always had okay, let's move on. Yes, let's move on to the Manhattan Projects. Uh, Manhattan Projects is an in, independent sort of. I mean, it's in, uh, creator owned. Let's call it creator owned. Creator owned. Um, it's. Uh, I don't remember what's the name of the artist. Um, Patera. Patera. Patara? Nick Patara. Nick I'm Patara. Sorry. Who is the same guy that draws Pax Romana? Is he, is he not? I believe so. Um, I think Nick Pitar is the same guy that does does uh, does Pax Romana. Anyway, it is Jonathan Hickman uh, who is the current uh, current writer of of Avengers, and Nick Pitar doing art. Uh, Jonathan Hickman is on Pax Romana. It doesn't. Say yeah. Did Nick Pitar do Officer Down? I have no idea. I've never heard of Officer Down. Officer Down is great. I okay. thought you said Officer Noun, and then, and <laughs> then I was going to get excited about police procedurals involving grammar. <laughs> That's amazing. That grammar like police, <laughs> freeze. That Not sounds like early. That sounds like it should be a skit on Reading Rainbow. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, dum, dum. 
Yeah. Don't officer down. Uh, anyway, uh, it is. This is set in the. This is set in the. It, well, it's, I guess it spans quite a bit of time, but it's uh, primarily set in the forties, um, and it centers around uh, the same group of people that were involved in the actual Manhattan projects in the in uh, the World War Two for the development of the of the atomic bomb. But what the premise of the book is that there's a fuckload more to the Manhattan projects than just the bomb. Um, and to all of the people that are involved as well. Hooray! Um, they're, this Vampire fair me! Yeah, right. This book kind of made me... Um, it made me do a lot of uh, external reading because there's a lot of this... like. There's names I know. I know Fermi. I know Einstein. Einstein. I know Oppenheimer. I know uh, Dog. What's his name? Richard Feynman. No, 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 not Feynman. The the skull guy. Uh, oh, really? Uh, you know Harry Douglas. Douglas. I I'd heard Daglin. the name from history classes and stuff, but I've never. Um, I didn't really know much about uh, kind of the the story surrounding them and yeah. kind of. It's interesting because it, this is an alternate history book, clearly, with it, uh, it has a, a heavy science fiction kind of fantastical element to it um, with the same kind of, like, Hickman, everything Hickman does has kind of this, like, an an overarching kind of epic feel to it that there's something major going on behind the scenes of whatever it is that he's he's pointing you at. Um, so I think he does have, that pretty efficiently and well in this. Uh, yeah. yeah, he does. Like within the first couple of pages, mm-hmm. with the yeah. parallel Oppenheimers, it's like yeah. bam. Yeah, which is funny because we have the the extraneous exposition from Straczynski, who, <laughs> who, who yeah. does a little bit too much, and and then we have Hickman, who's very succinct and he sets it up. I think mm-hmm. the one of the first individual ones that I or his independent books that he he wrote was um, Pax, not Pax from Red Mass to Mar- Red Mass. Red of Mass Mars. to Mars was actually pretty current. Pax Romana and yeah, but Nightly News. Were the first one, the first one I read was Red Mass. Okay, yeah, I'm talking about myself here, <laughs> Get, getting a little egotistical. Anyways, um, he had set up the entire world in like the first four pages, like everything that had happened that set up Earth as it is now, and it's in the future. He did it in like four pages, and then that was the setting, and he set off on it. You know, I like it better when he does that kind of thing, like mm. with this, where he, you know, he sets up the characters, and then he kind of he. He he presents it in a way that they can kind of tell what he can kind of tell whatever story he happens to want to each issue. You know, he he doesn't necessarily. I didn't feel like this particular trade stuck to a through line much. It's it's more like here's some characters. Here's kind of the here's the overarching thing is that this is all taking place during World War II. And here's events that happened during that time period with these characters, which is one of the things that kind of aggravated me about is is aggravating me about his Avengers book right now is that the first three issues of the book are here's the setup. Here's here's the story we're going to tell. But then after it pissed me off so bad after issue number three, he he has the story. And at the end of issue number three. A, a secondary character shows up and it just literally eliminates everything that happened in those first three issues and goes, oh, no, 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 that's not the story we're telling. We're going to go in this other direction. Uh, mainstream comics. And that's why, I, and that's why I, I'm just like, they're related, kind of, but they're not. I, I, and the reason I didn't like that was because it was definitely a, I think they're on issue eight right now, and it was definitely one through three had a very distinct through line. 
and then it stopped. And then issues since then have had a different, not as interesting through line. Whereas this, I felt he did a good job of that same kind of like initial setup. Like, here's your characters, here's your timeline, here's the alternate universe that we are putting you in. Let's fuck around for a while. Hmm. You know? I felt like the last three or so issues were ramping up to something concrete. But the first couple were definitely mm-hmm. like, hey, look at this wacky world. At the same time, I think he plants seeds that he harvests really well later. Like the yeah. Yeah. Einstein and the, and the monolith. gate to monolith mm-hmm. comes up in the first issue. Surprise, I'm the evil twin. I Thanks. killed my good brother. <laughs> well, it was an interesting... To to come to that specific point, it, uh, that was actually one of the more interesting things that I I felt about it was you spend four issues learn seeing him with this thing just staring at it, and then when they finally explain that he actually built it, like yep. built it from a dream, mm-hmm. and it's like you know. he built it from a dream and doesn't even know what the fuck it does. Well, like, he's not smart enough to open it. Okay. Yeah. Now this is this is the thing. It, is he the one that built it? He was staring at it. Was I? Okay, I think so, he's the mirror universe version of himself. Yeah, that's the thing, and he doesn't realize how the original Einstein opened it. Yeah, and so he wants to go back through. Well, see, I felt like, oh, that's true, because he clubbed himself. Well, yeah, yeah. see, yeah. Learn, learning, learning shit. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. And he Smarts. left the, yeah. he left the blue Einstein in the red world, and the red Einsteins in the real world yeah okay Anyways. yeah so yes but or but is it real but they it's give real. you the impression they give you the impression for the first few that it was something they had collected and that he was studying mm. and then when they give you the twist of oh he's trying to figure out his own technique quote-unquote his own technology in that the einstein that he dumped into the mirror universe is the guy that built it like that's it was an interesting. It was an interesting twist that they threw in there. Like, oh, yeah. um, uh, I'm, and then blog for so what and you're trying to say so. is that the writing in this book is of a much higher caliber, caliber than Gears of War. <laughs> what, the, what? That wasn't what I was trying to say, but we'll go with it. All okay. right. Sure. Um, it's it's one of the better things we've read for the show in a while. Yeah. I'm a um I. I thought the riffs on history were totally delightful. Like the new, like the very last line is Oppenheimer going, we have become destroyer of worlds. But that it looks really different when it's Oppenheimer and army of freaky Oppenheimer personalities <laughs> yeah. plus alien. And a bird. Intelligent and a bird. You know, <laughs> absorbed from. Oppenheimer is one of my favorite characters. The bird, yes, Joel, the bird is always shown in one of yep. the. Yep. And he's just. It's on his shoulder. Always. There was a. And the alien that he got from eating brains. Yeah. Like you do. No bird. It's a character no, no, that no, no. Um, look in the background images. It's a character that that's interesting because it reminds me of it reminds me of a take on a a, a crazier take on a character that was in the earlier issues of uh, of Invincible. Um, that uh, he was a I can't remember his name for some reason, but he was a big he was a big deal. He was a scientist who had the, his superpower was that he was able to tra- uh he was able to travel between dimensions mm. um so he had developed but the problem was is that he never really knew what would he could travel to that same point in time space in another dimension but didn't know what was in that dimension like so he didn't know whether it was actually like safe sliders. to go to that dimension um because he didn't yeah basically because he would you know, maybe there's maybe there's a building there that's not in this dimension, and he would come out in a wall type. You know that kind right. of thing. So he built this giant machine 
with the express purpose of collecting as many of his other world, other dimensional selves as possible and transferring their knowledge into his brain so that he would know everything about all mm. of their dimensions and be able to use his ability more. He doesn't uh, go crazy like the guy in Kurta Ipsum. He no, he doesn't. He he goes he ends up going crazy because what I liked about that character and I don't this is sorry this is a tangent but that's what Oppenheimer reminds me of in this is that uh, he um, he wasn't doing it with any kind of malicious intent but when I'm sorry I need your brain uh, well no he wasn't the thing is is it wasn't that he was he wasn't going to kill any of them he was just the machine was going to transfer their ability their their knowledge and then he was going to and they would retain it and then they would go back home Um, but then uh, Invincible and the Guardians of the Globe get word of what he's doing and in the middle of him trying to do the transfer they like bust in and they stop the transfer and the machine blows up and kills all of the otherworldly versions of him and f- completely fucks up his brain so then oh. he becomes this like revengeful supervillain anyway sorry total tangent but that's uh it's we a character that her. I really like, and that's I, this version of Oppenheimer is kind of this Siler. crazier, he's yeah. This the, really it's like this crazier take on it, where he's like he can, and now, and it especially reminds me of that because once they open the gate toward the end, and he realizes, oh, I can go find all the other me's, and I can eat their brains, and I can have all the me's no, in the no, world. No, 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 no. I really like the interaction that Oppenheimer has with the alien the scientist who lands on the planet. Yeah. He's like, let's cut to the end, shall we? What? And just like shoots him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... And then if you look at the next panel underneath, he's like calmly standing there as the gunfight is going on next to him. Yeah. He's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, the guard aliens are just like, Bruh! and I, the beautiful thing I about that was my commentary on that particular scene. <laughs> beautiful thing about this is we had Oppenheimer set up in the very first issue when he's like, thrust into a like military situation it seemed like for the first time uh-huh. it's like here have this man this stationary gun and gun down all of these robots that are coming through this gate from japan and so he, like i know and he's standing there behind the stationary gun and that i love that end of that scene where he's like hmm and he's like hmm uh like i noticed like when right after that scene finishes and he's walking and he's like this thing would dare touch me and he you know yep he, don't touch like, yeah like he goes to kill it or whatever I'm like something's not right yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Can't kill a thing that wasn't alive. Well, and that's and that's the thing is that it's like um, for readers uh, out there who ha- hopefully have read the book, and this isn't too much of a spoiler. I mean, it's the the setup for Oppenheimer being a complete whack job in this is that it's not it's not what the fuck's his real name? Joseph Robert Oppenheimer. Robert. It's not they they split. Robert Oppenheimer and Joseph Oppen- Oppenheimer in this book. They are twin brothers, basically. I'm, see, and that's the thing that I've never really got. I, I got I, They don't really, cl- and I'm sure it's purposeful, that they don't really clarify whether it was actually twin brothers or whether it was Alternate multiple, dimension. Multi- multiple personalities, right? But they, mm. they specifically they say that six like... six minutes apart. Okay, but that's... The, they say that, but they don't really... It the, seems like the read of it is that it's twin brothers that were born six minutes apart. Mm-hmm. There are two heads in one of these panels. Robert Robert Oppenheimer is is the sane of the two, and mm. Joseph Oppenheimer is the nutbag of the two. Yeah, and then, um, but at some point, Joseph escapes from a mental institution, kills and eats Robert Oppenheimer for his 
brains, his brains, tasty, brains. tasty brains is intelligence, and then become and then takes his place. Um, so because at some point he had been, you know, raising animals and then eating them, eating, and they thought he was like, letting them free. Yeah, everyone thought he was letting them free, but he was actually killing and eating them all. Those bones <laughs> had to be hard to pass. So. I, there's a lot of subtle stuff in this book like y- you can enjoy it not knowing who any of the historical characters are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think you get a you get another layer knowing the historical characters. I looked up the fictional biography of Richard Feynman and it's a Latin because there's a bunch of quotes at the beginning of each chapter f- from this book called The Recorded Feynman by Clavis Aria. And Clavis Aria is not a real person but it is a Latin phrase that means the golden key, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. That is interesting. That's what I. More that's mysteries what I was, re- await. That's what I was thinking of at the beginning of this was that it. I like, I like reading alternate history stuff in general because sometimes it helps me go back. I, sometimes I'll go back and do the research and find out like what you know what actually happened so that mm-hmm. I can understand the the placement of things in the book. For example, they talk about this. The where this book leads is that eventually uh, FDR dies. Uh, like he does in real life, <laughs> only they turn him, they plug a cord into his brain and plug it into a bunch of mainframes and turn him into an artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about him forming a, a shadow government underneath ours where FDR is still alive in an artificial form and the the president of that shadow government. Which to me is really fascinating because there's a lot of shadow government narratives, but rarely are they the good guys. Yeah, exactly. Why do you think these are the good guys? I don't like they kind of are they they're kind of not they, they've created the atomic bomb they've wiped out an entire species That's true they were the ones <laughs> that really made the go ahead with the nuclear strike One of them too. is a cannibal and serial killer That's true um, They're the protagonists shall and we Einstein's say Einstein's just an asshole Yeah <laughs> Clone Einstein is a drunk not an asshole sir Pardon There's me while I brush my teeth uh, yeah, and then he takes. That's awesome. There, that's another callback that reminds me of a um, one of my favorite moments from an Iron Man comic was was from an Ultimate Iron Man where he's uh, he gets called to um, meet up with the Avengers. It might have been in the Ultimates actually, uh, where he gets called to meet up with the Avengers, and he's he walks out with a with a fucking drink in his hand, and uh, his assistant, who is not Pepper Potts in that particular book, but his assistant goes. It's 11 in the morning. I mean, isn't it a little early for drinking? And he he goes, he points at the Iron Man suit and goes, would you climb into that thing sober? (laughs) Nice. But sorry, I'm on on tangent mode today. I'm uh, on a tangent. It reminds me a lot of stuff. So did we do introductions this episode? Uh, Introductions? What do you mean? Like, no, I don't think we did. I don't. It doesn't fucking matter. People know who we are. This show actually has a consistent cast. So (laughs) (laughs) my God, uh, I'm, I'm. Is Eddie still in Korea? He, yeah, I think he comes back next week. Okay, um, as long as they don't, you know, start World War Three. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Kim, huh. uh, Kim Lo Jong is going to be dead. <laughs> He's going to come back. He's going to be like, man, that was a rough trip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's missing another toe. Yeah, <laughs> he's never missing the first toe. Uh, it, it was. It was. It came mighty it was close. Shifted. It was present. It was not fully connected, but yes. it was present. Um, I I was actually very surprised at at how much I liked this book. Um, Hickman's very Luke liked a thing. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Hickman 
Hickman's off and on for me. Like sometimes his stuff is really cool. Sometimes it's it pisses me off like Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of his better. This is one of his better things. One of the things that I now wish I had gotten in singles. Um, I think uh, it's better as a trade. Uh, um, like I, while I appreciate the ability to grab this as you know, and just sit down and read the first five issues. Um, as single issues, like there's some cohesion that's lost because yeah. you're waiting a month. Between. I think the design's hot on the single issues, though. Um, I've heard rumors no, that Hickman Hick- is a designer yeah. and read uh, Nightly News. Um, yeah. I actually, I think, I think Nightly News is over designed, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's a problem because that Nightly News is one of his misses, in my opinion. <laughs> um, Okay. I'm not it's it's not and it's not because of the narrative it's because of the over design okay like i think i think the story is good and i think the way that it's um the way that the narrative is executed is fantastic i think he loses the impact of that narrative by over designing the book and making mm. it too um it, it's basically it's one giant it's like it's designed like a giant infographic it's really okay. strange um and it's uh might lose some of the feeling of a comic and a seamless flow that you it can loses jump it, into it loses the feel of an actual story and it's just kind of a powerpoint kind of, presentation yeah oh. so so uh sort of on a different page like i did like this however it there's way too many similarities between umbrella academy um casanova five fists of science is another one that Mm-hmm. Five Fists of Science is very much. There's a lot of. It's just a different time period, basically. Yeah, it's it's period, like it's like because Five Fists of Science same, is. Like, what if what if history was more awesome and had robot arms? Yeah. Robot yes. Gustav Eiffel, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, like there were a lot of things that I did like about this, um, but I don't know if it's just the fact that this is a very. I don't know if it's a very different book than Five Fists of Science but that the scope is so limited in historical fiction having to do with very famous intelligent people in very different like positions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's not enough of it out there for me to be like okay like superhero comics you know what i can distinguish the, like there's like it is its own genre yeah. is what you're trying yeah. to say it's like yeah which i'm fine with i mean that's i like things like that that i can't define right like yeah. because i can i i can't just plug it into a spot and call it something and I but I don't know I think one of the things that I like about it is is I enjoy I enjoy alternate histories that alternate historical fiction that was the word you're looking for earlier yeah okay sorry like most a lot of alternate histories that that I've read tend to tend to predicate their entire story on a single different event right it's like what oh, sure. if what if this didn't happen or what if this did happen right like something like that and and what happens is they they normal history comes up to a point and then diverges and then it's it's kind of free game to do whatever the fuck they want from there mm-hmm. what i liked about this is that it it takes the history that everyone knows and puts an undercurrent to it and says well what you know about it didn't happen the way you think it did Right, so like people that you think are dead are now uh, irradiated skulls in a containment suit, or AIs, um, or AIs, or you know, or they've, or they are, uh, they're kind of they the ant- twin brother. Ant- yeah, they're kind of the antithesis of their public, um, their public image, yeah, public right? Vector. So, um, it it things still all happened the way the public knows that they happened. It's, it's just that 
now there's this undercurrent. Now there's this things that's that's different. Like they make comments about you know how every ten years an alien spaceship shows up, and they have a confab. Um, and they said that yeah, every ten years it still happens, even when there's a even there when there's a mishap like Tunguska or or Roswell, uh, Roswell right? So it's like they 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 make it the Tunguska crater is apparently an alien spaceship crash and like yeah right and so uh. um, and I enjoy that I like because it it keeps me interested both in the alternate history and the real history. So on, on that note, um, one thing that historical alternate historical fiction has is it normally says what if this event played differently and one failing in that idea is that if a single event played differently things would pretty much still turn out the right like what if the united states got repelled at d-day guess what the russians would have still fucking rolled over the nazis like mm-hmm. it was or no big deal what if somebody killed hitler oh well then yeah. himmler would have yeah it, right i mean like so basing your alternate history on an event to is be entirely honest if hitler didn't if hitler got killed earlier the nazi the third reich probably would have been more successful yeah um, Let but, us invade uh, Russia. Have you know, a land war. Yeah. Basing it on an event is uh, a bad idea in the first place. Mm-hmm. However, basing it on characters and like so, not changing one thing, but mm-hmm. changing the character who affects all these different, yeah. you know, versions. That's the way to go about it. That's one thing that I really did like about this book is you're not just saying this happened differently. It's like, these were different people. Yeah, it's one of its biggest like. Um, Merits, I want to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I and I, I bring, I brought that up because I, re- I just finished reading um, Bone Shaker. Uh, it's a Sherry Sherry Priest, Priest, or, yeah. Sherry Priest of steampunk better. novel, um, sort of steampunk. It, it's not entirely, but um, there's the a lot punk. of that. A lot of that book's history is is uh, built around the idea that the Civil War didn't end when it when we think it ended that it's it's the book is set in like the in 1869 or 1868 and the war is still still going um because uh stone was it stonewall jackson yeah stonewall jackson didn't die when he was supposed to die mm-hmm. yep. and kept the south going longer than they were supposed to be going um w- one problem i have with that book is the geography is so fucked oh it's fucked i it's the part that I could not get past. She oh, lives man. in Seattle. No, she doesn't. She lives in Tennessee. But she did enough research on Seattle I to know. She lived in Seattle for a while. She may have. Okay. She, she lives in Tennessee now. Anyway, yeah, uh, that that's that pissed me off. It, like I almost like Seattle geography yes. is wrong. In, uh, in the, the book takes place in Seattle. There's right. Okay, so there's parts of it that she admits are wrong on purpose. Like for example, like the the Smith Tower exists about 10 years earlier than it was actually built. And she did that on purpose because she alters her history to make that happen. However, she also talks about fucking Seattle being on, on the coast, like the coastline, not on a bay. She talks about like the surf crashing into the rocks next to downtown Seattle, right? Like, no, uh, no, 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 no. And it's, it's, it's hard enough. Painful. It's actually, painful to read when I live here. Right? There, there's an amazing tangent that would come out of that being the actual history. So if Seattle is on the coastline, right, Forks doesn't exist. Forks doesn't oh, exist. No Twilight. Twilight. That's <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Everything is forgiven. I want to go there. That works. <laughs> I want to live in this Seattle world. Seattle coast. Yeah, I, and I agree with what you're saying. Like, um, the the way that they alter the characters is what makes this interesting and continues to interest me because when I first got finished with it, like we were talking earlier, it's it it feels very disjointed in some ways because there isn't there are 
there are bits of bits and hints of, of future storylines, but there's not... This is the very beginning of the arc. It's not a self-contained... Yeah, there is no unit. self-contained arc in these first five issues, um, except to introduce characters, so... There's another Alan... Like, so, um, after this book, it goes into sort of dealing with space, and there's an Alan Moore book that I can't think of right now, where, as opposed to Russia or the United States being the first people to launch a spaceship, it's England. And no idea. I fucking oh, Halo Jones. It's Al, uh, Alan Moore. Anyway, yeah, whatever. You've been very quiet, Joel. What do you think about this book? I love it. I love it. No, I'm letting you guys Ears. talk. I've I've given up trying to talk over you, you fools, because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you're so opinionated. Is that most fools? <clears throat> yes. Yes. Oh, I'm Jesus. jealous. No, I I really I really enjoyed this book. Just and it made me laugh out loud several times just because you see all these char- all these characters these historical characters that you know to be true and it totally turns it on the head on their head like Einstein is an is an asshole which you always see that picture of you know he's like this playful old german guy who has who has figured he's german right Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's Hitler's Austrian. Okay. But he's always this playful guy. He's like, oh, you know, he's the grandfather everybody thinks they would have. And like, no, in this one, he's he, he's a drunk. He's a drunk, and he's he he, he throws he throws the Buddhists, the death Buddhists that are keeping this portal <laughs> open. So good. And he, he's he, and he says, just be. You know, I thought that was great. Yeah. Should, it's like you should listen. You should have understood the rep, the repercussions of your actions earlier. Just yeah. be. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, a cone. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that actually. And and uh, like Truman is in full full. Um, what are those guys? Mason Masonry? Oh God. yeah, yeah with with the, 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 the Washington, the, the George Washington Masonic, Masonic Memorial or, memorial or Masonic yeah. Memorial, and, and they, he walks in and he's in. It's like it's not just a Masonic like temple. Of Liberty. Yeah, it's not just a Masonic temple. It's a full-on whack job cult. like cult Masonic it's temple, straight up out of Temple of Doom. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it is, and I just love that to seeing all these historical characters and just making them wacky and i like you know? i do like how the the secret service busts in there and they're just like they don't they're not really breaking anything up they're not really shooting people they're just like hey mr truman it's time for you to be president let's go like put on your diaper and let's get out of here yeah yeah and I, just also the fact well one of the things is i've read uh, one of feynman's books and or is it feynman feynman i don't know feynman, feynman. and he he is the one guy that actually turned the whole Manhattan Project and being part of it into something else. He went on speech tours and all this kind of stuff. He's that's his claim to fame. And so seeing seeing him in this first scene where he's just talking to the mirror to himself, like I'm perfect, I'm the perfect person. It it just it was so funny. Yeah. So and that where he's talking about um, how he basically talked the talked the woman into sleeping with him by. Uh-huh. lying to her about her perfection and it was like yeah there's only one person in this room that's perfect <laughs> and it's not her yes. <laughs> like that's yeah so, i go ahead it's just there's there's a lot of scenes in this that are just completely wacky and um off, off the rocker and it totally fits in this book too you know and i i, I it was a lovely little jaunt i, I enjoyed it through thoroughly. science yes through science well Buy, borrow, or burn. Start with Andy. Buy. <laughs> buy. I'll buy it. I'd buy it. Yeah, I did um, buy it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, solid buy. 
And is this all your around. first solid buy? This is my second solid buy because oh. y'all like we peer pressured you into liking Secret Six enough to buy it. This is true. This, this is this is a solid all around. Like every one of us is just go buy it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no peer pressure involved. Yeah, uh, I buy it or you're not cool. All right, so for the next couple episodes, uh, we're going to do my my next pick is is Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, not Hot Guy. I guess not it is Hot Guy. guy That's what it is on the Twitters. That's what they call it on the Twitters, but it is it is Hawkeye, and it's going to be My Life Is a Weapon, which is the first trade of the first six issues. Um, and then after that, when Eddie's back, we're going to do the Sixth Gun Volume Two. Uh, we might, I fuck, I might just throw Volume Three in there for the fuck of it too. Uh, so, read all uh, the comics uh, because. Uh, f- as far it's as so I'm good. concerned, we could read up to current on Six Gun and just review the whole goddamn book. I don't even know how many trades like, are out. Cause I've, uh, I've never bought, other than the first one, I've never bought them as trades. And the only reason I bought the first one as a trade was so someone could read it. Because I didn't want to lend that my number one. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Either him or me, it's one of the two. This no, no, I've, I've lent it out to like 40 oh, people now. Oh, and on the subject of Sixth Gun trades, uh, they are doing they are doing a library edition hardcover of Ooh. the Sixth Gun, the, f- uh, the first... Uh, I think it's the first 15 issues. I was talking to Brian Hurd about it at Emerald City Comic Con, and it's going to be, it's going to be, he said, uh, it's going to be slightly larger than... Fear Agent. uh, Yeah, it's going to be like, no, he said it's actually going to be slight, he thinks it's slightly larger than an absolute edition. Nice. that's gonna so, Jesus. Yeah, I know. It's going to be the big fucker, and I will pay all the money for it. Because then once I have that, I will have I, I have the single issues. I have the first four trades. I will have the hardcover. The trades will become loan bait. Like So I, I'm just going to be like, here, read oh, it. It's totally what I've done. Like, my uh, volume one is just so fucking broken now. Yeah. It, it looks like something that... Is fifty year old comic? It's 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 still my it's still my favorite comic. Like it's still right now, it is number one favorite comic. Uh, that's why I now own three pieces of original art from Brian Hurt. Um, so it's uh it's good. It's good. So anyway, next issue is going to be uh, Hawkeye. 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 Guttural. We'll t- we'll call it a guttural stop there, right? Hawkeye. Um, now I sound like one of the people from fucking uh, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> mm, mm, guy. Hawk guy. Eh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. That's a great movie, though. It really uh-huh. is. It really is. Uh, so, yeah. That's what we're doing. Um, what? <laughs> <It's just> the, <laughs> this discourse is amazing. <laughs> Listen. It's just, just <laughs> rambling. It's, okay. I, I don't know if you guys can't see this, but Luke has grown a magnificent beard. And I don't know if it comes along with the beard, the hermit kind of. I think it rambling. does. I think it, I think you Alan Moore yourself a little bit. The, Ooh, the bigger your I, beard I, I grows. Say, I remember when I had a pretty impressive beard after I don't think I shaved for like six months, and yeah, this there was is like a, a different mindset involved. I just yeah. stopped caring about everything. Would, would <laughs> people just walk away mid conversations? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This beard is and pushing. It then it is. People do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this beard is pushing four months. I shaved it off at the beginning of December, so it's uh, 
This is this it's is where spring. it's headed. Yeah. yeah. So things are nesting that's, in there. Oh, it's coming off soon. That's, trust me. That's only four. That's only four months. Yeah, my beard grows fucking fast, sir. He's it's weirdly shaped. It's like you have like these well, tusks coming out the sides. No, that's because I that's because I messed with it earlier to make it bigger, <laughs> and now it's all fucked up because I haven't brushed it. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you get some herpes, that's a good beard stuff. Yeah, good quote prob- to no, take I'm out saving of that. There's that's a, for later. Yeah. Flavor that's, saver. that's a full fucking. That's a full flavor strip saver. of bacon there, sir. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a deep fried mushroom in the other side. Um, I don't know. Don't don't shave it off. This is awesome. <laughs> like I want you to go a year without shaving it. Actually, and so for ECCC, you can look like Alan Moore. <laughs> no, no, no. So so on that subject, actually, one of the things that I was thinking of doing now that I know that I can grow a beard out and it doesn't completely get scraggly if I keep it clean, uh, I'm planning. I was thinking of um, growing starting. Just after next Emerald City, growing it out so that I can uh, so that I can cosplay as uh, Bill John uh, for, nice. the com- for the Comic Con after that. So I've, anyway, who's, what? Who's Bill John? Uh, Bill John from from Six, Six Gun. Six Gun. He's the, the guy that gets turned into a golem, or the twelfth gun, as I called it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> only the second volume. After that, they went on. It's the eighteenth to the eighteenth. They made gun. some more. <laughs> Uh, Six, I mean, 12 <laughs> magical guns have been known throughout history. Uh, uh, uh. All righty, so let's wrap this up. Uh, if you would like uh, to... Uh, forgot how to wrap up the show. Jesus Christ, I am... You're a gold pan. That's uh, all you need. Well, regular broadcast in 1902. Look at us on the Twitch. Newfangled <laughs> podcasting, <laughs> casting the pod. So help us out on social media. <laughs> you can rate us on iTunes. All right, rate us it on helps iTunes. us out a lot. Uh, yeah. see, the the you one can without facial hair. Follow us on. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's yep. at, at Trade Secrets Pod. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook. Uh, email us if you want to be part of the show. Email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific dot com. Uh, we will use your comments and questions on the show. Thank you, Andy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Ann. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Beard. Work it harder, make it better.